Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Genesis chapter 28, verses 6 through 22. Genesis 28, verses 6 through 22, and this is uh, the time, if you remember, uh, we have Jacob and Esau, those twin brothers, and they did not get along well, thanks to uh, Jacob being deceitful. And so um, Esau is wanting to kill him, and so uh, Jacob ends up going away to live with family at a distance. And that's where we kind of pick up this story. But before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word that you've given to us. Lord, we ask that as we hear your word read and proclaimed today, God, that you would meet us here, that by your word and by your spirit, we would come to know you better, that we would be changed more and more into the people that you created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. So Genesis chapter 28, starting in verse 6. It says, Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padan Aram to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padan Aram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac, so he went to Ishmael and married Mahaloth, the sister of Nebaioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Turning then to our New Testament lesson, Acts chapter 7, verses 44 through 60. This is in the early church where um, 
some people have been set aside as kind of the deacons, those who are waiting, at, uh, with, well, helping with food distribution. And one of these men named Stephen uh, gets pulled apart, or pulled away from everybody to kind of answer for this um, this whole movement about Jesus. And as a part of his answer, he gives sort of a whole Old Testament uh, survey, sort of telling the whole story thus far. And we're just going to listen to the end of, um, of his speech and how that goes. This is Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 44. It says, Our ancestors had the tabernacle of the covenant law with them in the wilderness. It had been made as God directed Moses according to the pattern he had set. After receiving the tabernacle, our ancestors under Joshua brought it with them when they took the land from the nations God drove out before them. It remained in the land until the time of David, who enjoyed God's favor and asked that he might provide a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. question I have for you today as we begin is, has God ever gotten your attention? Has God ever gotten your attention one way or another? And my guess is for most of you here, the answer is going to be yes. And if we were to drill a little deeper and we were to start interviewing each other and figuring out when and how this happened, my guess is our stories wouldn't be the same. That the way that he got your attention and the way that he got my attention would be different. Um, and it's amazing the way that works. I know uh, two friends of mine. One, uh, God got his attention through waves on the ocean and the way that the waves did something they don't normally do, and that got his attention <laughs> I know another friend who God got his attention because there was a particular word on a particular sign at a place that was meaningful to him. And he had been by that place 
a hundred times and had never noticed that word that was exactly the word he needed at that place and that time in his life. God can get our attention in all kinds of ways. All kinds of ways. If you look at uh, the Old Testament, you see uh, Balaam and a donkey talking to him. That'll get your attention, right? And you might be tempted to say, well, hey, no donkeys talk to me, so therefore (laughs) maybe God's not talking to me. Now, hold on. All sorts of different ways. You have someone like Moses who sees a bush that's burning or it's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. Well, I might need to go check this out. That's how God gets his attention. And one of the things that I find fascinating about the stories of uh, God getting people's attention is sometimes it's like what we looked at last week. We're looking at the Gospel of John, and you have uh, people like John the Baptist who points out, hey, look, that guy, that guy is the, the Lamb of God. And so you have these two disciples of John the Baptist who say, well, then we want to know more about this. And they go and they follow Jesus. Jesus turns around and says, what do you want? And they're like, where are you staying? We want, we want more. And so they're seeking after him. And one of the things that, uh, that is said later is that, you know, anyone who is seeking after Jesus, he's not going to turn them away. And so sometimes that's the way people come to Jesus is by seeking and seeking. Uh, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open, Right? Whoever asks, receives. One who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be open. And some of us, that's our story. But for others, it's more like Moses, who's just out doing his own thing on an ordinary day. And out of nowhere, God gets your attention. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of, of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. All right. I love this passage. There's, there's a lot of good stuff here. Uh, I'm going to point out just a few things, and we'll get into it. Um, one, notice how um, we have this language of finding. And so, verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one (laughs) that Moses wrote about. So this idea of somebody who's lost, 
and then found. Uh, And this seems to be the pattern we've seen already so far, is that everybody who comes in contact with Jesus, they can't help but share. They find somebody else, and they tell about the one who they found or who has found them. And so there's always that going on. Uh, There's another thing going on. The way that he describes Jesus when he finds Nathanael is, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. In other words, we haven't just found somebody who's kind of neat. We have found the one that the whole Old Testament has been talking about. We've seen this end of Luke where uh, after Jesus is raised from the dead, and this is what he talks about, is how the whole the law and the prophets have all been pointing to him, and he walks them through it. And Moses and the Psalms, it's all been about him. And that's actually how Philip starts this whole thing. Do you know the one that it's all about? Yeah, we found him. Um, you may find it strange, though, that when Nathaniel comes to Jesus, he responds the way he does. Nathaniel has two responses in this passage. One, he responds to Philip, and the other, he responds to Jesus, right? And how is it that he responds to Philip when Philip says, we found this one? It's Jesus of Nazareth. And his response initially is skepticism, right? It's Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. And then the second is when he finally, come and see. And so he goes and he checks it out himself. And Jesus doesn't say a lot to him. All he says is, here's an Israelite, truly an Israelite, and there's no deceit. So like, how do you know me? He's like, oh, I saw you under the fig tree. And for us, that might sound like Jesus is just good with names and faces. Like, I saw you, I remember you. Yes, you're that guy. But Nathaniel's response seems a bit overblown if that's all that's going on. Because Nathaniel's response is not, oh, good to see you again. But Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I mean, it's kind of a 180 degree change. He has gone from nothing good comes from Nazareth. And now all of a sudden, the son of God, the king of Israel comes from Nazareth. And all Jesus says is, I saw you under the fig tree. Make anybody curious? That makes me real curious. What in the world was going on under the fig tree? (laughs) that only Jesus knows about. And that's the point. We can be as curious as we want, and people have made all kinds of guesses as to what might have have been going on there. But the whole point is, we don't know. We don't know. The other disciples didn't know. Nathaniel knew. And Jesus knew. So whatever it is that was going on, uh, the way that Jesus communicates to him. And here's kind of uh, a way that that may have gone. We've seen already that for John the Baptist, he was out baptizing, and uh, the way he knew who Jesus was is because God had told him ahead of time, look, when you see the Holy Spirit come down on someone while you're baptizing him, that's the one. Okay. For the original disciples that start following Jesus is when John the Baptist points him out, that's the one. Well, what if Nathaniel's under the tree? And he's been praying, and God has spoken to him and says, it's the one who's, who tells you he's seen me. What if it is God himself speaking to Nathaniel under the tree, saying, 
I see you. And then he runs into Jesus, and that's the way that he introduces himself. I saw you under the tree. Oh. Oh. Now, I don't know if that's what happened. There could be all kinds of things, and we don't know. And Nathaniel doesn't ever share it, apparently. It's not written down for us anyway. But that's not the point. The point is, Jesus knows Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel hears that Jesus knows Nathaniel, Nathaniel knows that Jesus knows Nathaniel. <laughs> Does that make sense? And when he knows that Jesus knows him that way, it is not just someone who's good with names and faces. There's something much deeper going on here, and that is why his response is what it is of Rabbi. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And then Jesus says, you're going to see something even greater than that. Verse 51, and then we're going to loop back and hit some of the other things. Verse 51, he says, he then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Does that seem weird to anybody? I mean, come on, the Bible's got some weird stuff in it. It just strikes us as weird. It's not the way we talk. It's not the way that you would say something like this. But it's weird on purpose. Like, it's weird because it's deep with meaning. And the, uh, Jesus is actually pulling a couple things together from the Old Testament. So if you know your Old Testament really well, instead of sounding weird, this sounds really cool. You know why Jesus calls himself the Son of Man? You see that all the time. Jesus constantly referring to himself as the Son of Man. And that confuses people sometimes. Anybody know? I mean, we should have just done this today. Daniel chapter 7 is where this description of uh, one like a Son of Man comes from. And this is in Daniel's vision. And he has all of these uh, kingdoms that rise up, one after another after another. And in every case, the kingdom that arises is just another beast. And so you have this uh, kind of inversion of what we have at the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And you have these humans who are appointed to rule over the beasts, right? But then the way that it has gone, the way that the story has unfolded, is that we've flipped the whole thing upside down. And so now even the best of our kingdoms are still more like beast than they are like true human. And so in his vision, this is what Daniel sees, is these kingdoms looking like beasts. And it is kind of worse and worse. But then... Verse 13, in my vision I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. He's not a beast anymore. Now we have one that's actually like a son of man uh, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. This is what we talk about a lot with Jesus, is that the one person who should be the king is the king. That is a big part of the good news. The one person who should be king 
is the king. And the reason that he is the one person who should be king is because he is the one who is the true human. His kingdom doesn't look like the beasts of our kingdoms. His kingdom looks like what humans were made to be like and how we were made to rule over this creation in relationship and cooperation with God. And, uh, and here's the other part of it. So when he says, you'll see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man, the Son of Man language is echoing what Nathaniel just said, of he is the Son of God, he's the King of Israel. But it's so much bigger than that, if you understand. This is not just about Israel. It's about starting with Israel and going the whole world. But then what about that other part? The angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man? Like he's a ladder? A staircase? (laughs) Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. And we just read about Jacob in Genesis 28. Remember this? We just read about Jacob as he's uh, leaving home. And you have this moment in his life where he has left everything behind him. He has left all that is familiar. And he is going away from his family, away from his home, away from everything he's ever known. And as he's out there on his own, supposedly, he finds out he's not on his own. And he has this dream where it's like there's a staircase going between heaven and earth, and the angels are ascending and descending. And his response to this, and then, oh, and then the Lord actually speaks to him from here and confirms the promises from his ancestors to him as well. And so in this, he realizes not only is he not alone, and his promises are confirmed, but he says, you know, God is in this place, that this is a place where heaven and earth overlap. This is the way that heaven is breaking into this world, is right here in this space. And so what does he do? He sets up the rock he was sleeping on, pours oil on it. All right, this spot is the spot. And what Jesus is saying to Nathaniel is, it's not going to be about a spot. It's about a person. That Jesus himself is the place where heaven and earth overlap. That Jesus himself is uh, the place where heaven is breaking into this world. That it's not about a particular place. It is about this particular person. And that is why he says you're going to see greater things than that. You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. He takes that story from Jacob and says, what you saw there, as you remember that story, even that, was about me and what I'm doing now. That was pointing forward to me and what I am doing now. And that is really the rest of the story. As we read the rest of the story in John, we see this happening. Heaven and earth overlapping in the person of Jesus. So, let me go back. Because there's uh, a couple lines in verse 46. I'm going to finish up on. And that is in verse 46, it's where Philip first comes to Nathaniel and says uh, that we found this one, and Philip's, or Nathaniel's response is, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, I've often thought that the way that he was saying this was uh, 
you know, like, you got places where there's a little rivalry and <laughs> you don't think anything good can come from there. Uh, not that place, not that town. They're a bunch of you know what. But anyway, <laughs> I don't think that's what it is. Done a bit more on this. And as it turns out, it's probably more like he's including himself in that area that nothing good ever happens around here. Like this is a place just up the road. And so it'd be like if you found out that they have discovered the cure for cancer and everybody's really excited and then you find out that they who discovered it are the people that just live a few houses down and you're like, what? I would have expected that to have been, you know, the scientists in a lab somewhere far, far away from here. It's like, no, it's right here. And I think we're actually even more prepared to receive those sorts of things today because we do celebrate the people who kind of come out of nowhere. But even still, for us, we expect that, you know, big things happen other places. That big things happen in important places and with important people. And us, well, you know, who are we? And so when Nathaniel says Nazareth, not only is the, are they not expecting the Messiah to come from Nazareth, but I think it's just too close to home. That where we live is too unimportant and we're too ordinary for God to do something amazing here. But as you read through all the scriptures, this is the way that it works. As God is all the time taking ordinary people in ordinary places who aren't expecting it and doing amazing things. And so uh, I would invite you, first of all, just to check your own heart and see if that's where you are. If you think, yes, God does amazing things other, with other people and in other places, but not here and not now. You may want to reevaluate that. And then secondly, we see that that's, his, that's Nathaniel's initial response, and we see that he has another response later on of, you are the Son of God, the King of Israel. And what happens between those two is what's critical. And that is when he initially responds by saying, can anything good come from Nazareth? When he initially responds that way, the response that Philip gives him is the perfect response. Philip doesn't sit him down and give him a lecture and say, well, you know that sometimes God does amazing things in ordinary places. <laughs> Just come and see. Come and see. That's it. That's the invitation. If you don't believe it, fine. But come check it out for yourself. And you'll understand why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. And so that's where we're going to end today, actually. Is wherever you are on this, if you are in a place like Nathaniel was, come and see. Come and Check Jesus out for yourself. If you are in a place where Nathaniel is later in the story, where you already have come to recognize Jesus as the Son of God and the King of Israel, the place where heaven and earth meet, maybe you can be like Philip, inviting the skeptical people around you come and see.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.